You are listening to a live message from Gold Street Garden Church with Dr. Dominic Butler. We are thrilled to have you join us for today's message. Our prayer is that you would see Jesus clearer than ever before and your desire to know him personally would increase in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information about the church, you can go to goldstreetgarden.com. This evening, we are starting a new Holy Spirit train of thought. And I really feel in my heart we're going to talk about the discipline of delight. So everybody say that, the discipline of delight. Now, a lot of us would kind of just think about this like, what does this have to do like the light and thing, and you'll, maybe a couple of scriptures pop up in your heart and mind, and that's amazing. And I want to go through them with you tonight, but I truly believe we are going to have massive deliverance from this word that goes forward. I really believe that we're going to bring a lot of practical application that you are going to bring forth in your spiritual walk with the Lord. Amen. I want to share this, though as we get started. And I know we've been praising and praying, but let's go before the Lord again right now. And let's really, we've, 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 sometimes we, we can, so much can happen in a moment that you actually get pulled out of being in the moment. So right now, Lord, we recenter. We just kick off every distraction. Just as Mary sat at your feet, Lord. Father, I thank you that right now, we would position our hearts to be at such a place that all we want to hear is the fresh whisper of the Father. Lord, train us. Holy Spirit, remove everything in our minds, in our hearts that is hindering us from pursuing you with everything. Lord, I thank you that tonight that our yes would become stronger unto you, that our yes would have fresh breath of commitment breathed upon it. Lord, I thank you that as we were singing earlier, that there's a reason there was an, ex- an excitement and expectation as we were singing Chains Fall and Freedom because there is, there is something that is about to happen. And Lord, we position ourselves to say, yes, Lord. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. There is nothing more exhilarating than the daily rediscovering of Jesus. That there's a reason why the gospel is called good news. It's not, Reinhard Bunke would say, it's not called good history. It's called good news because every time you preach it, it happens. Jesus is not a historical figure. He is an ever-living God, the God, the one. And we have to have this in our heart. And as we were just talking about Mary, I want to share this, that the Lord spoke this to me in the secret place. Just today, I heard this in my heart, and he said that at my feet is where heaven becomes now. At my feet is where heaven becomes now. There is this adoration that takes place. This, when we lock eyes with him, you know, even on a wedding day, I've brought this up in the past, but on a wedding day, what are the two 
what are the two main things that the whole audience looks at? The bride's dress and the look on the groom's face. It's the two things that are the most important that everybody wants to see. And how many people know that our bridegroom, the look on his face, eyes of fire. When you look into his eyes, it purifies the impurities in you because his gaze literally purifies what's in you. That's why we, lock, we, we seek his face for this purifying process to take place. And just think about this. We're going to get started right now with our, the concept of the discipline of delight because of this reason. I always go back to the garden. Did you know what Eden means in Hebrew? It means delight, pleasure. That God created a garden of delight and pleasure for man to commune with him. So what was the devil's main goal? Is to get man to find delight outside of him. Delight. Delighting in the Lord. We're going to go through scriptures here, but he made a place called delight. You know what's even more phenomenal? Did you know that there's biblical significance with numbers, right? It's huge. We could do a whole series till kingdom come on numbers. But one of the things I want you to see is the number five represents grace. It's like one of the top things. But number six represents man, and number seven represents Rest, completion. Isn't it amazing that God made man on the sixth day and sandwiched him that number five means grace, which means God's grace takes care of man's past because it's the previous day, and that God takes care of man's past with his grace to move him forward into his rest. Right there. And the other reason why God would make seven completion and rest is because it's to prove that you are never complete without the one. You need him to bring you into rest. And if you, if you really look at it, man didn't even, his first full day was a day of rest because it, that we don't know when he was created on the sixth day. His first full day of living was a day of rest because it was God's desire for man to live in rest. Amen? Isn't that phenomenal? And what I mean by that is he, he made us to rest in delight. In delight. So, when God created Adam, just think about this. What was the very first thing? So, it's amazing because have you heard it before, you know, we're just all dust. We're, we're just, and the truth is, your flesh is just a, a dirt project. It's just a, you're just a dirt bag. <laughs> like, like literally, like your, your, your flesh, you're just a dirt bag. That's what your flesh is. But that's not where it ends. Because you're going to put off this flesh body. And you're going to wear a glorified body. Amen. Going to look good. Right? Some of you are already thinking about it all the time. You're like, Lord, please let me look like this. You know, telling God how, you know, I want, you know, I want to, you know. 
Some of you already got that. You know, you, you go there. You go there in the secret place sometimes. You ask the Lord. You're like, Lord, I want to look really good. You know, all this. But you put on this glorified body. But Adam did not become a living being until God breathed his life into him. So I want you to see what was the first thing Adam ever saw? God. His first breath was seeing his father. Why? Because this is how you live in your identity. And they've done studies that a child looking into her mother's eyes, him or her looking into mother's eyes, that within 30 seconds, their hearts syncopate. They, they, they get into a line. It's actually studies that show that our, the heartbeat actually synchronizes, becomes harmonious with eye contact. So Adam created in delight, in the garden of delight and pleasure, looking at his father and the enemy is doing whatever he can to interrupt this fellowship. Not just take Adam's stuff, not just mess. You, so many times people think that the enemy's messing with me, attacking this, attacking this. The only thing he's after is your relationship with God. That's the only thing he, he knows if he can get your eyes off him, he wins. We brought this up weeks ago, but temp, temptation resisted is love understood. Temptation resisted is love understood. And we grow in that. And, what, and I'm not here to beat anybody up if you've been tempted or because even Jesus was tempted. And even if you give into the temptation, he is even there to help you out of that. He pulled us out of the miry clay. You have a testimony. He loves you. I'm so thankful. When Adam was given his, he was first given his identity, then he was given a responsibility. So many people try to find their identity in their responsibility, but God told him who he was, made him, and then he said, now tend the garden. He didn't give him a responsibility until he knew who he was. But then he says it's not good for you to be alone because after he gave him the responsibility, he proved he couldn't do it without dependency. Identity, responsibility, intimacy. It always comes back to that because what happens sometimes is you get your identity. There's people in this room, and I'm going to speak, that sometimes you get a word from the Lord. You're supposed to, you're called to do great things, and all of a sudden you start, you start getting so fixated on the responsibility that you lose the dependency and the intimacy because that's the only way you're going to be fruitful in life. I'll tell you what, I would be in a straitjacket right now if it wasn't for the Lord this past year. And you, you could look at me and think that it, it's it's. Because you don't realize that as the Lord starts increasing your influence of ministering, that all of a sudden the devil is after my wife and I's relationship with the Lord on a constant basis. And I've realized that it's not about more of this, more of this. It's just, I need him. And, and, and that means I'm going to get on my face daily. I'm going to, I'm going to keep the altar wet with tears not let the altar become dry and calloused, but the altar will always have my tears of joy and gratitude. I don't remember the last worship service we had here where I haven't cried. It's not because I'm sad. It's because I'm just like, Lord, what are you doing? You're amazing. 
continually, and he's, he's no respecter of person, but he's a respecter of the yes. The yes. We go from glory to glory, but you only go from glory to glory if you go from yes to yes. Unto him. Amen? So, uh, <laughs> when God breathed into Adam, how many people can't wait to see that when we get to heaven? That story. Get that in, you know, uh, heaven flicks or whatever. It's like you, you're seeing. But when, but, when, but when you see that if you have a breath in your body, your first kiss wasn't somebody from elementary school, high school, whatever. Your first kiss was the Lord. If you have a breath in your body. He was your first kiss. And the world that doesn't know him needs to know who their first kiss was. Because there's a lot of adultery in the world with different idols and spirits. And the church has really got into that too. And that's why we're talking about this tonight. Psalm 94 verse 19 in the Passion Translation says this. I love this. You guys are going to want to put this on your refrigerator. Put it in your bathroom, put it in your car on an index card in the Passion Translation. You ready for this? Psalm 94, 19. Whenever my busy thoughts were out of control, the soothing comfort of your presence calmed me down and overwhelmed me with delight. Let's say it again. Whenever my busy thoughts were out of control, the soothing comfort of your presence calmed me down and overwhelmed me with delight. Has anybody been there before where you're having that crazy day or even everything is going haywire and you are trying to figure it out instead of romance it out with the Lord? <laughs> Stop trying to figure it out and start romancing it out with him. Because all of a sudden you're, you're, you're fixated on all these different things trying to get it out. And then all of a sudden you just say, Jesus. And you come back to what? Your first love. You come back to your first love. Psalm 37 verses 3 through 4. Well, I just want to, the verse 4, I'm sure a lot of you can quote. That if you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, I, I want to go all, all out and say right here, this verse is a dangerous verse for selfish Christians, if there's a such thing. This is a dangerous verse for selfish Christians because when you hear, when, let, me make, let me give you a, a check to see where we're all at because the Lord has dealt with me in this way. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. A lot of us just hear, he'll give me the desires of my heart. Not realizing there's a prerequisite. Okay? And we're talking about the discipline of delight. Did you notice it didn't say, you know, we'll find a way for you to delight or think? No, it says delight yourself because it's your responsibility. It's your responsibility to delight in him, to stay fixated and focused on him. Now, your spirit man always is. Now, this is where the war happens with theology, that people start saying, well, you know, my spirit and things like that. But you have to understand, if you read Romans 7, 
and you don't get to Romans 8, and you only read certain things, you don't get the full context that Paul said, I beat my body into subject submission because your flesh is constantly being drawn to the world, but your spirit man knows where it's at. And there's a tug of war over your soul between your spirit and your flesh. And as you stay fixated on him, the spirit wins every time. Do you hear me? That when you stay fixated on him, the spirit wins every time. That's a, that'll help you tonight. Amen? Hallelujah. This is simple. This is things that, this is not a hoorah message. This is, I'm going home free because I can know that if I focus on him, and some people are like, how do I focus on him? He is the word. You have a Bible. You have it on your phone in every translation known to man. It's Jesus. Staying focused on him. Do you, do you get this? That when we talk about delighting in the Lord, what did the psalmist say? Delight in the law of the Lord. What did, what did soon as Joshua takes over, you know who, who he's pro, he is, he is literally the successor of Moses, the man that split the Red Sea, the man that brought the, that, that held his stick up in the air and plagues would come over Egypt. This man, he went up and saw God on a mountain. He came down, his face is shining. And, and Josh, little Joshua is about to take over the whole nation. And what is God's advice to him? Meditate on my word day and night. Why? Because soon as you stop meditating, the enemy comes in. Soon as you stop fixating on him, the enemy comes in. Amen? So we meditate. We meditate. But in the passion, and back to that verse, I'm going to read in the passion, but delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So what happens as you delight in his word, delight in him? Guess what? Your selfish desires turn into kingdom desires. If you're not delighting in him, that verse just means this. God's supposed to give me what I want if I go to church. That's the most selfish thing I've ever heard for a man that would purchase you with his own blood that didn't have to. But he still will bless you, but he'll bless you because your eyes aren't even on the blessing. You're so delighted in him alone. This is the bride he's coming back for. A bride that as he's walk, as he's coming, can, do you understand the exuberant joy that, like, all of you, do you, do, is that type of joy even possible with this body? To see him coming back? To, to be with him? Like, we are going to have a day when Jesus is standing in the tangible room with us. The bridegroom that we're talking about, and you're more concerned about a new car or a new thing. Like, he'll do those things, but why is that what we're focused on? He's so much more. Paul is in prison saying, I have had nothing and I've had everything. But if I have him, I don't need anything. I don't need any support. He is everything. He is everything. Amen. Amen. He is. He is the all in all. 
And what's even more amazing, and I loved how Minister Eric Gilmore brought it up a few weeks ago, that not only is he the most high, but he comes so low that even before he goes to the cross, how does he want his disciples to remember him? Every time you get humble and you bow down before the Lord, the Lord wants to remind you that he's there washing your feet. You go low to honor him and he reminds you that I've already washed the past. I've already washed the regrets. I've washed the reason you're bowing before me. I've already taken care of it, son, daughter. Amen. Psalm 37 verses three through four says this in the passion, keep trusting in the Lord and do what is right in his eyes. Fix your heart on the promises of God and you will be secure. What did we just say? Meditate on his word. What does this say right here? Fix your heart on the promises of God and you will be secure. Let's go back to this verse. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Is your desire really for material things or is your desire to be free? Is your desire to actually experience authentic joy? Is your desire, when you get alone with the king, your desires just go to a, another realm because you're, you are an agent that God has called to bring heaven to earth. So the devil wants to make your desires worldly, but when you meet with the king, your desires become heavenly. They become, your desires actually come from another realm. But the enemy wants us so fixated on the now that God can do things We've talked about it before. You come up with a list of 10 ways God's going to use you. He'll pick number 11 just to prove how amazing he is to you and that your reliance cannot be on a man's strategy. Verse 4 in the Passion, as we've been saying, make God the utmost delight and pleasure of your life. <laughs> delight yourself. <laughs> I'll tell you, people are getting this tonight. And I'm so excited because I love Jesus. I, I, if you're going to come here, we're going to talk about Jesus. And you know who we're going to let tell us about Jesus? The Holy Spirit, because nobody prepares a bride like the Holy Spirit. You think you know a wedding planner? Let me tell you about the Holy Spirit. He knows how to prepare a wedding. He knows how to get that gown nice and white. He knows how to make sure you walk in syncopation and cadence with the heartbeat of heaven ready for that wedding day. He, oh. Make God the utmost delight and pleasure of your life. The, in his presence is the fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. Delight forevermore. The discipline of delight. Make God the utmost delight and pleasure of life, and he will provide for you what you desire the most. Well, guess what? That makes sense now. Make God the utmost delight and pleasure of life of your life, and he will provide for you what you desire the most. What do you desire the most? Him! Well! Selfishness is getting kicked out of the room right now. 
Because selfishness is the pursuit of Satan. If you, all you do is think about yourself, you think just like the devil. The pursuit of him, you get everything. The pursuit of yourself, you think you're adding to yourself, but you're actually just weighing yourself down to the point where you don't even know what truth, freedom, or anything is anymore. Back to what we said earlier. His way, his truth, his life, your way, your truth, your death. I want everybody to know, please, please hear my heart. He is everything. He is everything. Soon as it becomes Jesus and you are in deception. Soon as it becomes Jesus plus you are in deception. He is everything. Do you know one of the greatest visions that I continually have is my family, my little girl, on the day we stand before the throne, arms raised like silhouettes, and just hearing the voice of God saying, well done. Because it's about allowing our family to hear the gospel, being unashamed. And then the thing about the family of God is that Jesus even said, remember when his family came to get him? And they're like, hey, you know, your, your, your brothers and, you know, your, your mom, everybody's outside. And Jesus is like, Every, these are all my brothers and sisters, those that do the will of God. You know, that's the thing about the family of God is growing and growing. And did you know the Lord will actually put people in your path that are really hard for you to love just to see where you're at? He'll actually, he'll even bring them specifically to church just to see where your love is at just to see where you're at, just to see if you're going to just turn. Sometimes you don't know if you were entertaining an angel. Always seeing where our love is at, because we are very critical in the flesh. Immediately, oh, this person's a bozo. We all have those thoughts. Sometimes I even say it out loud. I'll be real. (laughs) But the Lord will help us how are we supposed to grow in love if we don't have to be around people that are hard to love? Jesus said, love your enemies. When I see a lot of conservative Christians, but you know, we have to preach truth, but we have to love those that we preach to, right? Isn't it so important? Because I love the statement that Jesus flipped tables of people he was willing to die for. A lot of people are like, Jesus flipped tables. Well, he only flipped the tables of people he was willing to die for. Proverbs 8, if you turn with me there, are you all, are you, all you said for a few minutes? There's, there's two main thoughts that I want you to walk away with tonight, and it's meditating on the word. Very simple. Everybody say that. Meditating on the word, which is ultimately Jesus. It is ultimately Jesus because isn't it so amazing that God gave us a book full of words because he wants to heighten our imagination. He didn't give us pictures because he wants, he wants to walk us through what it looks like in our hearts. Isn't that beautiful? That's why dreams from the Lord are so powerful. And some of you, the Lord uses you in that way a lot and you can ask the Lord for dreams. He'll speak to you, praying in the spirit before you go to bed. It's a great way to get set up. But uh, the, uh, one of the things that I want, so meditating on the word, and that leads you to being able to identify distraction. Everybody say identify distraction. 
when you're not delighting in the Lord, you're distracted, period. Not only are you vulnerable to distraction, you already are. The quote that the Lord gave me as I was pre preparing for this night multiple weeks ago, we just had a few other things going on. He said that where distraction exists, discipline does not. Where distraction exists, discipline does not. That literally a distraction reveals lack of discipline because that's athletes and people that train, they train to be unhindered by distraction. They train to be so inclined to do what they're supposed to do that it becomes part of their nature that they're unmoved by anything going on around them. The enemy tries to prey on this to see where we're at and dis distraction is the bait of destruction. Distraction is the, the bait of destruction. That if the devil knows he can get you, how many times have, did you know, and I'm, I'm not trying to be super sobering right now, but if it falls that way, let it be. How many people die because of texting and driving? One little distraction that may have even seemed like not a big deal, but it turned into death. And this is the part of the gospel a lot of us don't like to talk about. We don't like, you have to understand that if I love you and I'm, the, and I'm a minister here and I'm preaching, if I love you, I'm going to warn you. I'm not going to be like, oh, it's okay. I don't want to hurt their feelings. You know, I'll just let them have their truth. No, the Bible is a book full of warnings and it's a book full of warnings not to, not to be a dictator rhetoric. It's, it's literally love screaming, no, don't go there. Don't do that. Don't give him a foothold. Don't do anything to give him room. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Sometimes people, you know, sometimes people get really plagued by nightmares. Have, have you been going to bed with wrath? You want somebody to pray for deliverance, but you won't look and see some of the things in your own heart. Yeah, we can sit up here and go shaka laka laka all day, but until you do what the word says, deliverance, deliverance is obedience. Deliverance is saying, God, I trust you more than the world's system. Amen? He's given us all authority. Is that true? Is that a truth? He's given us all authority. You have to discipline your delight in him because authority is the fruit of intimacy. I've brought this example up before. My wife has my authority even when I'm not there if she speaks on my behalf because she has my name. She can, because of our intimate relationship, she can speak on my behalf. She has my authority to speak on my behalf when I'm not there, right? It's the same thing. We are an ambassador of Christ. But you can't operate in authority if you don't know the authority. <laughs> Simple. We're going tonight. This is good. Uh, you can just sense when the Holy Spirit just is. And I want everybody to know that when I'm ministering, there. Uh, this is just for everybody to know. Has, has anybody given a phone call to 
Or has you ever received a phone call from a, another believer that were, or a friend that just was going through a tough time and you start giving them the word and you start talking, all of a sudden things start coming out of your mouth. You didn't even know we're in there because you're being a vessel for the Holy Spirit. That's what's happening right now. I'm not up here. I prepare, I get in the secret place, but at the end of the day, I say, you speak through me and I encourage you all to do that in your everyday life, that you get in the word and you get it in you. Memorize scripture, memorize it, get it in you. And then when you're out and you're talking with somebody, all of a sudden, a verse you didn't think you had memorized, the Holy Spirit memorized for you, and it comes out of your mouth because there's power in that word. Amen? So Proverbs 8, verse 22. Now, let me give you this, this uh, preface in here of understanding that Solomon is talking about wisdom here, but you'll get, you'll get you'll get my point. So he's talking about the concept of wisdom, the principle of wisdom. Why would he be talking about the principle of wisdom in, in the context? Because he doesn't know that wisdom is a person yet because this is before Christ has come. But 1 Corinthians 1.30 tells us that Christ is our wisdom. So in Proverbs, when you hear wisdom being elevated and exalted, it's actually talking about Jesus because he is wisdom. Have you ever heard somebody say, make sure you use wisdom, brother? <laughs> what they should be saying, make sure you talk with the Lord. Not just use worldly wisdom, because that's what the church calls wisdom now. Let's, let's hear what worldly wisdom is, and then that's what we'll do. Well, that's, that's actually demonic, to become under submission to worldly wisdom. We, and don't call it, like, just pray about it and use wisdom. no. <laughs> that, that's not what we, we, we talk with him here from headquarters and we move forward. Amen. Regardless of what the consequences are. Does anybody believe that we, I mean, let's just be real. I'm thankful for the country we, we live in, but we aren't far away from it possibly be, the Bible is becoming hate speech. Do you understand that? Like there are certain, like you do your research, but even right now, if certain people get in, you know what I'm saying? I'm just, there's, there's, there's things that are going to happen where there's going to be limits tried to put on the gospel, but we are not limited by the government. We are not limited by man's opinion. We're not limited by whose presence is here because we know whose presence we're hosting and what's going on. And we need, that's why if your delight is not in him, you will easily take flight when things get a little bad. You, you need to be secure in him and know there could be a time where we all could get arrested for the gospel. It might not just be one person or two people here and there. There, there actually could come a time you have to draw a line in the sand and say that Jesus is everything. And if we're all going to go in prison, we're going to have a Holy Ghost prison service, right? Hey, hey. Gold Tree Prison Ministry. He's just going to a whole nother level. You know, you know what, officer? I've been meaning to do some prison ministry anyway. You know, it's like, it's just, and, and we just, we got to be prepared. Amen. Proverbs 8, verse 21 says, The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way before his works of old. He's talking about wisdom, but he's really talking about Jesus. I have been established from everlasting from the beginning before there was ever an earth. 
when there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no fountains abounding with water, before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth. While as yet he had not made the earth or the fields or the primal dust of the world, when he prepared the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit so that the waters would not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him as a master craftsman, and I was his daily delight. Rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and my delight was with the sons of men. Now, why would his delight be with the sons of man? Because he put this Jesus in the sons of man. That the delight that is found here, that remember when Jesus comes on the scene with his earthly ministry. What does the father do when he gets water baptized? The father couldn't even restrain his delight in his son. Did you know in Ephesians, the Bible says that you are accepted in the beloved. What did God say? This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He delights in us because Jesus is the delight of heaven. He is the delight of the universe. And the more you can fixate your heart on that truth, the more prepared you are to face anything in this world. But if your theology is only principle and not person, not the Christ, principles can maybe able to get you from A to B, but only Jesus can take you all the way. You need to know him. This is why we have a burden to do more outreach. This is why we, it's because, I don't know about you, when I'm, when I'm, I don't see people the way I used to see people. You know what I'm saying? Because of the delight that I have in him, I'm, I'm not only just, you're on your way to, to, to hell if you don't know him, I'm just like, you don't know what you're missing. He's everything. You just think you're just going to a nine to five today and you're in a rat race trying to find the American dream. I love what Michael Dow said last night. He said, he said that we need to make a decision. Are we American Christians? Or are we Christians that just so happen to live in America? Is he everything? Are we professional churchgoers? Or are we powerful lovers of Jesus? We have to, we have to make this up in our minds and our hearts daily. It's not, you can't live off last week's sermon. You can't live off some quotes that maybe I said weeks ago or a sermon. You need fresh communion with him every day. If you can prioritize a meal, if you can prioritize a television show, if you can, prior, you can prioritize some time with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, you can give him some time. And it'll change you forever. Did you know you're only one moment away from another encounter? And sometimes the Lord 
And, then, and Ileana brought it up at the beginning of service, that complacency. Do you know what the Lord's doing here on a weekly basis? This doesn't happen in a lot of churches. And I'm not saying that to be, I'm not saying that to be boastful. I only boast in him. We just, we let him do what he wants to do. And we, we, we breathe the gospel forth in power. But you could come to a service like this every Tuesday and just be like, oh, it's normal. It's a, don't ever treat it familiar. This is precious, precious. Allowing the Holy Spirit to move and be free. Don't ever just think this, that you can find this down the street at any point. We're believing that it's going to be more and more, but you don't understand how easy it is for a man or woman to be compromised with fame, money, so many things. Do you know how, that's why if your heart, if, if you aren't convinced he's the reward, you'll never run the race. If you just think the blessings or what it's all about, if you just think that, and I'm not here, I want to always make it clear, I'm not saying that God's not going to bless and provide. I I believe in that. I just believe we've heard so much of that, that it's created a selfish culture in the church. And I, I find that dangerous because it has to be him. It has to be him. Amen. Hallelujah. So he is our delight. Amen. Well, I, I'm glad this is a series because we're going to be here for. Is, is anybody excited about this? We're going to be camp here, but uh, we got a minute or two. <laughs> He's got all the minutes he wants. Amen. Delight in the for us to understand a little bit more about the light as well. This is the Hebrew definition of delight. Become soft. There's actually, it's, it's funny, and even the men will like this one. One of the things about the light is to effeminate. It literally means to, uh, actually a feminine uh, uh, quality of just being so welcoming to the Father. It's, it's actually, delighting actually helps break pride down in masculinity. But still remaining a warrior still remaining a man of valor, but having a soft heart towards the Lord. You know who's a great example of that? David. A warrior. Knock a, king, knock a giant's head off. Cut his head off and everything. A warrior. But still, I want to see the beauty of the Lord. Because he, it's, so, it's so amazing when you delight in him that you become so focused. Problems will keep you busy, but love keeps you focused. Problems will keep you busy, but love keeps you focused. I love uh, Joe, uh, evangelist Joe Turnbull. He's actually headed back to Tanzania right now, which is amazing. Um, And he even put a quote from Eric Gilmore when he saw our, our post today, and it was a quote from Eric Gilmore that said, there's something higher than discipline. It's called love. And I know I'm talking about the discipline of delight because you've got to train your, your heart to delight. But the reason, you see, the thing is delight turns labor and work into joy. That's why when people are like, it's not about works. Well, I want to work unto the Lord. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I'm not trying to earn something, but I want to give everything for him. So there's got to be a balance there because theologically, some grace nuts 
that don't understand what they're talking about just think we can just sit around and do nothing and Jesus is coming back. It's their, their definition of sovereignty is the, the weirdest crap you'll ever hear. And I just, we have to understand that we play a part. We are partnering with God Amen. and that we have a a, a part in this. And I love Michael Dow. We were talking last night about sensationalism. People, there's groups of people that don't believe signs and wonders are for today. What are you talking about? The Bible says in the last days, he's going to pour his glory out on all flesh. Do you think we're just going to have some theological debate and win the world? Do you think we're just going to get up and just be like, hey, you know what? This is what it really says in Hebrew. This will really win your heart. So no, signs, wonders, and miracles shall follow those that believe, not just apostles that believe. Those that believe, even when you read the book of Acts, Stephen, not an apostle, operating in signs, wonders, and miracles. And then you even have, evangel you have evangelists in the book of Acts that are not apostles that are getting translated. They are literally getting moved from one region to another region without taking a vehicle. Signs and wonders. We need to see them more. And the devil is actually crippling the church with good sermons instead of good de demonstration. The church has had a lot of good teaching. In fact, a, so much teaching that it's just a fat bride. But you start doing some demonstration, you start doing some workouts. You start working out and you start praying for people. You start getting out. You go, go, go and get the bride in shape. Amen. <laughs> I don't know where this stuff comes from. Thank you. It's like, we gotta go. Be no fat bride. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta go and represent the king of kings. Amen. Get some demonstration <laughs> Hey, Justin, if you edit that out for us, that'd be great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> become soft, pliable, meaning being able to be, uh, your will is soft to hear from the Lord. And then we, we saw before, and I, oh, this is really good. It's so amazing. I'm like reading my notes and I'm going back to where I was this past week with the Lord. It's beautiful. Isn't that awesome when you can read like a journal or you can read something the Lord spoke to you and you immediately go back to the date. You go back to that intimate time with him. That's why I encourage everybody here when you study the word, write, write. Even if, even if it's not like some huge revelation to you, just write. And then when you read it later, you're like, oh Lord, I remember us talking that day. I remember that. That was beautiful. I had a lot of crazy things going on today, but I remember when we got together, the rest of the day went really great. You know what I'm saying? You, you want to take notice of that. But, oh, how can I do this? Help me, Holy Spirit. So when God took the Israelites out of Egypt, what was the, 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 the phrase that the Lord used multiple times? I will take you to a land that flows with milk and honey. He kept saying this over and over again. Now, the thing about milk and honey is there's a lot of delight attached to those phrases. But the Lord was challenging me because even the psalmist said that your word is sweeter than honey. Because David had a revelation that I'm, I, I'm not concerned with a destination. I just want you. But here's the thing about it flowing with milk and honey 
is God's trying to get them back. Here's the thing about milk that we have to realize that is also a parallel scripture is what is a, the thing we can forget about milk is milk is nourishment for an infant of any, for even the human race, but of any kind, that nourishment, that the milk, that the reason God was taking them to a place that flows with milk and honey is so that the milk would bring them the nourishment of who they are so they can enjoy the honey. They could enjoy the presence of God. And, and it, it's so amazing when you think about what, I don't, my, my wife educates me on breast milk. So like she is, she's told me the things that like even like humans are designed, a mother is actually designed that breast milk literally creates antibodies, knows exactly what the child needs to fight off things. Do you, do you believe God created that? And that the milk of his word actually creates things in your being as you're reading it, that you become unhindered by the world. You become unhindered by the things going on around because of the milk of the word of God. Does anybody here realize that you don't read the word just to get a nice little devotional in? That you read the word because it's transforming you on the inside out. You are literally becoming spiritually equipped. You, things are shifting in your being as you read that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You start reading these scriptures that I will delight in the law of the Lord. You start reading, I am more than a conqueror. All of a sudden, something is happening on the inside of you. You have to understand that. So does anybody realize that the devil fights overtime to make sure you don't read your Bible? Let's all be real. I have to discipline myself for delight. Because we've all had that moment that as soon as we get into the word, you're like, why haven't I been doing this more often? We all have been there. And it's because delight takes flight when you get right in the middle of it. Amen. What you delight in, what you delight in is the fuel to your life. A way you can tell if you're delighting or not in the Lord is this is a great key right here. Your delight is found in what you say yes to without hesitation. Your delight is found in what you say yes to without hesitation. I don't know how much more practical you can get. You see what I'm saying? Like, I hope people are understanding that this is not me just sharing revelation to make you go, wow. Or This is, I want to see the church fall so in love with him that we actually, we, we appear like the craziest thing to the world. You know what I'm saying? That it's just like, what? Something happened. Like, I don't want, I want my character to be Christ-like, but I, I want, I don't want to always be the same. I want to be more like him every time you see me. I want there to be this transformation. I shared a while ago, the Lord challenged me. He said, I heard it in my heart. It was a challenge to me personally. I'm not putting this conviction on anybody, but if it, if it lands, let it land. Is that Lord spoke to me and said that if you don't know me more today than you did yesterday, you are living in sin. If you don't know me more today than you did yesterday, you are entertaining distraction. When you entertain distraction, you empower deception. The enemy knows this. It only took one little question to throw mankind down an entire self-pursuing rat race. Do you understand that selfishness is literally the battle? That it's, it, you could almost say that sin isn't the struggle, it's 
the pursuit of self. You have, to, you have to eliminate that with everything. And as Nick brought up the scripture, it's I who no longer live. I have been crucified. Why did Paul have to say that? He had to remind himself. I no longer live. It's Christ who lives in me. The life that I now live, I live by flesh, by faith in the one who died and gave himself for me. He's the one that loves me. So when we have this, yeah, we can, you guys are good, right? I feel, I feel, I just feel when the Holy Ghost is ministering, you have to ride it. So I just want you to know that's, I, I feel led to just go here real, real quick. Because we're talking about rest, delight, the discipline of delight. I'm going to get this out. There was, there was a time in Israel's history, the Lord, did you know that keeping the Sabbath is one of the Ten Commandments? Do you know it's a serious deal to God? But what is so serious about it? The Sabbath was a day where you ceased from working, ceased from pursuing any type of thing for yourself, and it was all about him. Everything was about him. Complete. And the Lord not only made that the seventh day, you read in Leviticus, it was actually every seven years, the whole land wasn't to be touched for, for doing sowing or harvesting. It's actually a natural law too because it gives the soil time to recover. It was called a Sabbath year every seven years. Guess what? Israel for 490 years disobeyed that commandment to, and they kept working even on the seventh year. And, and you know what the Lord did is he kicked their butts out of Israel for 70 years to make up for all the years they didn't honor him. You can read this. In fact, the verse that we quote so much in Jeremiah that the, that the Lord says that I have plans for you, when he's talking to that, that's his nice way of, of ending. That's why I kicked your butts out of Israel. But we like quoting the nice part, which is great. It's amazing, but you need to learn from the lessons of the forefathers and people that made. And what I'm getting at is the Lord needs you to engage and rest in him. That's what my point is, that the Lord takes it very seriously that you delight in him, that it's literally consequences when you don't do it. It's not a luxury. It's a necessity. You have to make time. And I'm here talking to families. You need to make time where it's all, it, obviously all of our lives are about the Lord, but you need to make time where it's nothing but about him. And I'm, I'm being serious. You need to carve time out in your weeks to just nothing but him. Cell phones off or away. It has to be him because that is where clarity comes from. That is where your, that is where your life comes from. And this is the thing about this number seven that you see with the rest and the delight is that we brought it up a little bit, but just a really, every human being has a God-shaped void in their heart. And the enemy tries to fill them up with things of the world to try to fill it or make them think it is being full, but it is all deception. Only he can fill that void in the heart. That's why it's a God-shaped void. You can't fill a God-shaped void. Newsflash. There's only one that can do that. Did you know the first person that Jesus revealed himself to as Messiah with his own lips was a Gentile woman. It was this, the woman at the well. 
first person he tells with his own lips that he is the Messiah. John the Baptist knew, but Jesus didn't tell him. He actually told a woman first. Women say amen to that. She was the first evangelist. She went and told her whole city. So when people say women aren't called to ministry, they're stupid. So anyway, amen. They're very much a part of the end time harvest bringing in. I don't care what anybody says about that. You got too many. So when you have this here, first, first person, but why would he reveal himself to a woman first? Well, guess what? Adam, the first Adam, screwed the wife over. So Jesus comes on the scene to reveal himself as the bridegroom going after this woman in a symbolic nature, a woman that no Jews would talk to, wasn't even allowed. What does the bridegroom do? He goes after. He goes after. He didn't even have to go to this part of town, but he goes for it on, on, on purpose, reveals himself to her. And here's the thing. Is she had they have this conversation. She's like, we're not supposed to be talking. And Jesus doesn't care about cultural things. Isn't that amazing? The things that we're, that everybody's fighting over right now, Jesus doesn't care. He, and hear me out that he doesn't care about the actual issues. He cares about the hearts. And, and I had a great, and uh, I was talking to Nick on the phone the other day. And it was so good. Sometimes when you engage people in their converse, in their, their, the problems they're having, if you, if you communicate to them on the same level of argument, it's the most unfruitful thing you could do. You need to hear what heaven is saying about it, then come into it. Not just say, I disagree with you, blah, 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 blah. This, this news reporter said this. These statistics say this. There's nothing that is going to change anybody with that. You could show people the most clearest statistics. We know that the world, the devil has people under moronic spells. Sin makes you stupid. Amen? You need to know. Adam, one second, he, he was talking to omnipresence. He sins and then he thinks he can hide from it. It's called stupidity. Sin impregnates you with stupidity. You make dumb choices and they get dumber and dumber the more you stay engaged with it. And then you, all of a sudden, all your efforts are to hide your mistakes instead of face them and go before the Lord and let him deal with it. And that's why it takes humility to come to Christ. It's not a free hand-me-out salvation badge. No, you need to understand that your ways were wicked. Amen, that's the gospel. But hear me out, and we'll close here. Maybe. <laughs> I just wanna make sure I'm never lying by accident. Sorry. The woman, Jesus doesn't want to have cultural debate. What does he say? He says this. He says, go get your husband. Isn't it amazing? I just got to point this out. Jesus knows everything that's going to happen. Could you imagine this? Have you ever been talking to somebody before and they're taking a half hour to say what you know they're going to say? Isn't that the most annoying thing in the world? You're just like, you just wasted a half hour in my life. All you had to do was say this one sentence and you just, blah, 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 blah. like, you know, it's like, I have a life. I have time. You know, we, you know, eternity is, eternity is not pressing pause, bro. Things to do. Get to the point. Jesus, Jesus knows everything from the end to the beginning, but he would only 
act or speak based off the fresh whisper of heaven? Could you imagine the discipline and humility it takes to know everything but not even open your mouth unless you hear from headquarters? And you are the one that made the headquarters. And some of us get impatient over the silliest things. Just a side note. Jesus, he says, go get your husband. This woman says, I don't have one. Jesus says, you answered correctly because I know everything. That was a little bit of my paraphrase, but he was thinking it. <laughs> and he said, go, that you said, you've been with five, you have five, and the one you're currently with is not your own. How many is that? Six. Without Jesus, nothing can fill the void in your heart. Do you see that the, the, the five past relationships, these covenants that she made, they were not enough. They couldn't do it. And even the one she was currently with wasn't even enough to fill. But guess who Jesus was? He was number seven. He was the rest man. He was the light. He was fullness of joy. He was freedom. He was everything she was looking for. And here's the thing is that he literally called out her dirty laundry, but she realized she had nothing to hide anymore. And he still made the time to talk with her. It's called delight in him. He knows all your dirty laundry. He can help clean it all up. And in fact, he doesn't even care about cleaning up. He wants to just give you a new wardrobe, fully bought and paid for. This is who he is. We need to meditate on the word. And when you meditate on the word and you fixate on him, you can identify distraction from so far away. I'll close you with this uh, verse right here. Genesis 29, 20, it says this. You don't have to turn there. I just want to share. There's a, a passage about Jacob that uh, <laughs> it's so amazing. Actually, I, I, I need to turn there just because I want to make sure. But Genesis 29, verse 20. Jacob has just, uh, <laughs> you know, took in the birthright from his brother had some family trouble, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, and yes, they'll do. And Jacob, he flees to his tricky old Uncle Laban. <laughs> and Uncle Laban's a real tool, I'll tell you that. <laughs> you read about Uncle Laban, and he's just like, you keep reading, you're like, man, this guy just keeps screwing Jacob over. But he took his birthright from his brother. But it's like, he was, you know, kind of, whatever, that's another thing. But here's the thing. <laughs> is Jacob's got the hots, got the hots for Rachel, which is Laban's daughter. And he really wants Rachel to be his wife. And he agrees to work for Laban, for his bride. But here's the verse I want to point out to you that's so beautiful. In verse 20 of uh, Genesis 29, it says this. It says, so Jacob served seven years for Rachel and they seemed only a few days to him because of the love he had for her. 
I'm going to read that again. Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed only a few days to him because of the love he had for her. Do you see how love has the ability to transform what seems like labor or work into a joy? A quote the Lord gave us earlier this year is that surrender is only a sacrifice if you're still in love with the world. Surrender is a privilege if you are in love with him. Surrender is only a sacrifice if you're still in love with the world. Surrender is a privilege if you're in love with him. That love, this delighting in him transforms. That's why Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Because when you work with him, it's the light. Well, what's so beautiful about what I sense in the room right now is it's, isn't it so amazing how the Holy Spirit works that earlier it was ecstatic praise and now there's this sweet peace, rest, that is on this place. I remember what Jesus said. He said, if you would only have known who I was, I would have gathered you like a mother hen. And when we sing, he comes to rest on us like a mother hen warming us, giving us his embrace. Jesus is real. Jesus is real.